cliffcentral.com. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Leadership Books Unpegged with Superlead. Consider this. Have you ever wanted to read more business and leadership books, but you simply just don't have that time? Imagine you could read a book per week. How absolutely awesome will that be? A lot of us have these demanding jobs and countless responsibilities. So our bookshelves, pretty as they are, they end up being filled with more books we want to read than those we, we have read already. My name is Mandaj Flaro. I'm the CEO at Superlead, which is a strategy consulting and leadership coaching organization. On this show, we deep dive into a leadership topic. We anchor that in a book that we feature per episode. And we try our utmost best to share actionable insights to advance your leadership excellence. And on studio here at Cliff Central, I'm joined by my co-host, Ngobile Ngobo, who is a director at Alpha International. Ngobile, welcome to today's Show. Hi, Amanda. Good to be back again. I keep getting surprised that you keep inviting me back. But, uh, <laughs> always happy to be here to unpack another book. <laughs> <laughs> lovely, lovely. And I think it's because you're such a good student. Uh, and maybe we will see that if, if, if that's still true uh, for today. Uh, so today we are talking about what pretty much every leader can do to give their organizations and the teams an advantage, to give them an edge really to win. And uh, when we were really kind of uh, preparing, my producer says, yes, I know what that is. And she said, give all your employees 20% raise in their salaries. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and that's not what we're talking about. And I think that's a separate conversation. Good for, idea though. Ooh. Good idea. <laughs> I think so. I think so. Because now almost all leaders will just switch off you know, it's just like okay, I'm no, done. I'm done with this listening. with this show. Um, all right, so good try, good try. But um, but we're gonna talk about something that is actually simple, that's actually free, and that's available to every single leader, and that can make the biggest, the greatest, uh, that can give you the greatest advantage, really, uh, to give you that edge that you need. But before we do that, as we always do, we like to recap from last week's episode. And Time for my homework. <laughs> <laughs> That's the time indeed. That's the time. So, Ngobile, last week we unpacked Multipliers, such an incredible, incredible book. And I'm keen to just kind of learn from you. Um, what were some of your key takeaways and some stuff you started to apply last week? Mm, so, I love that idea of multipliers and diminishes. And I think what stood out to me was an idea highlighted in the book of the accidental diminishing actions. Yeah. That even though we might have good intentions, in our leadership, we might yeah. be doing things yeah. that are actually taking away capacity and capability from our sure, teams. Sure. And the example I was sharing was around the profile of protector that yeah, she yeah, talks yeah. about as an accidental diminisher. Yeah. So it's a leader who shields people from problems. Yes, yes. Because sometimes you think that you're protecting your team. You want to protect yeah. what we are doing and producing. But actually, what I was thinking about this past week was how this might be diminishing the team. Sure. Because it doesn't allow us to actually bring problems to the fore, discuss yeah. and work through them. Yeah. And so I love the takeaway actions that she highlights around seeking feedback. Yes, you yes. Know, so the team can say, <laughs> we actually want to know what's happening or we want to <laughs> actually be able to deal with this. Sure. But also then how can I lead with intention and yeah. practice some of the exercises highlighted as well. And the big thing was around do less and challenge more. Oh, fantastic. So how can we do? Because we all want to do less. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> but how Apple can we challenge? 
<laughs> oh, stunning. I think that was awesome. No, thank you for that. Um, and I think today's book, it almost sort of carries, um, this conversation just to that next level because today we're talking about organizational health. Mm. Um, and, and the idea with that is that it creates this environment really where multipliers thrive. Mm. And we're going to unpack that uh, to the detail. We have a perfect book for this. Yes. Yes. We're doing the advantage by Patrick Lencioni and it's why organizational health trumps everything else in business. Study. Now I know that you have mentioned Patrick Lencioni before <laughs> as someone that you love, although Amanda says he loves every author of every book that we do, but I know Patrick Lencioni in particular is someone that you love. So I'm excited to unpack this with you. Mm. And what I like about this, sorry, yeah. just to say is that I love how we've journeyed from talking about teams. Yeah. Last week we un- unpacked a little bit of individual and now we're looking at organizational health. So really excited to unpack this book. Studying, studying. Um, yeah, I think Patrick Lencioni, I think he's up there at, at the top and, and my team always tell me like everyone is my favorite author and, and really Patrick Lencioni is, is right up there at the top. So I, I know and we've received a ton of feedback about this show and one of the, the, the asks really is that, Hey, you know, some of you would like to sort of ask some questions. Uh, perhaps if we can provide you with a WhatsApp number, uh, that you can sort of send a question. Um, we thought, okay, let's try and do that. Um, if you have a question right now, as we continue the conversation, you can pop it out, uh, pop it to our WhatsApp number, which is 078-020-0051, which is 078-020-0051. Pop us a question, pop us a comment. Uh, we will also be asking you questions, um, throughout this, uh, this show today and let's engage. Uh, let's, let's have a conversation on such a critical topic. So imagine this where possible. Imagine where you work. Uh, there was minimal pol- politics, right? Just yeah. think about that for two seconds. Imagine there was like minimal confusion. The morale was at its highest. Imagine everyone was productive and there was l- super low turnover amongst Good employees. How awesome will that be? That would be awesome. I think that's everyone's dream workplace. <laughs> and 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 um, you know, like to even think that that's possible. I think it's almost like maybe we are stretching too far. Don't you think? Mm, no, I think it's possible. Isn't that isn't that what you've come to tell us? <laughs> <laughs> I, I I hope so. I hope so. So so really, what Patrick Lencioni argues in his book really is that this is possible. Mm. That um, normally you find organi- uh, the, the two main sort of um, attributes to an organization. They're sort of the smart stuff. But this is like your strategy, your, your, your finance, your marketing, and all of the things that we can, you know, we sort of work through pretty much every day. And then on the other hand, there's the health stuff, mm. right? And that's where organizational health sits. And his view really is that... Um, the smart stuff, the strategy, the finance, the marketing, the operations, all of those amazing things, that is 50% really of what the leader should be thinking about. There's another 50% that oftentimes it's left unattended. Mm. And that's organizational health. Yeah. And that comes with, and doing that, neglecting that, that comes with enormous, um, consequences mm-hmm. of which some of you are familiar with. And, and I imagine you, 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 you may have experienced some of these, the environments where some of these elements have been ignored. 
Mm, mm. Yeah, I mean, I think we, we, we all have where, you know, we can focus on, as you said, the smart stuff. So that the plans and the strategies and marketing and everything. Yeah. But really, uh, how is the, the team working in a, in a health perspective? How <laughs> yeah. do we have an environment where we can speak up all the things we've spoken about really over the weeks? Yeah. Um, and so I think that idea of having an organizationally or a healthy organization is a desire for everyone who goes to work every day. Yeah. So excited to unpack. So should we build the case for organizational health first. Let's do that. Yeah. Let's do that. So, and, and maybe the great place to start building the case is maybe just talking about the price and the cost of poor health. Mm. And, 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 uh, and maybe before we even go to the organization, I think we know this from a personal perspective, right? We can all, you know, be smart and have all the degrees and be amazing um, at everything we do. But if the health is poor, mm. you know, pretty much nothing else matters. Yeah. And I think the last two years have literally lifted the conversation of even just personal health or community health, um, or right up to the, uh, to the top. So similarly for organizations and, and the price uh, really, and, uh, you know, this, and the problem with health is, uh, you don't, it's hard to say, this is health, right? Um, like when someone is working, it's like, oh, that's healthy. But you know when health is missing. Yes, that's so true. Um, and how, when health is missing, you know, there's politics, there's dysfunction, there's confusion, there's bureaucracy. Um, you know, turnover is high, customer attrition, and, and the resources are wasted. Um, people are misaligned. There is just so much that goes wrong that performance really is muted. Um, and to an extent that you know, a, a smaller company might end up doing a lot more than, you know, a bureaucratic dysfunctional company only because the org health piece has been neglected. Yeah. And it's such a common experience for a lot of people because there's people that you can look at and you think, wow, they do such an amazing job. You work for an amazing organization from the outside. Yeah. Um, but then they talk about how they don't feel valued or they yeah. feel diminished or, yeah. you know, they're not excited to go to work. Yeah. And that is all around organizational health. That an organization, an unhealthy organization, I keep wanting to say an organizationally unhealthy, which is not a word. <laughs> an unhealthy we can make one. <laughs> An unhealthy um, organization, or is it true, could be still like doing the work, as you say, yeah, achieving yeah. the smart goals, yeah. but actually taking so much out of the people that work yeah. there. And 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 the and we always come to this one that permeates and f- goes beyond the walls of the organizations. So the people that work there. They carry all of that stress and the anxiety and everything else. Take it to their families, mm. and there's dysfunction there. And you know, you know stress how and, and how how that ends up, you know, impacting children and and society as a whole. So, so I think with that, um, it's. I'm sure everyone now will probably be keen on say, hey, what can I do now? Because mm. what we gotta said is that this is simple. This is easy. This is, um, it might not be easy, but it's free and it's available to every leader. Mm. Uh, whether you lead a, a small uh, organization or a large corporate or a non-profit organization, this is available to you. Mm. Mm. So that's really exciting. So I know Patrick talks about the sort of four disciplines model. Um, so, you know, the disciplines that we can start to put in place in an organization and a team. Firstly, let me start with this question before we go into the four disciplines model, Manda, is 
Who is the primary team or people who should really be focusing in on applying these disciplines first in an organization? Excellent. The, the primary, 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 and obviously this applies to every leader, but the primary team is the senior executive team. Mm-hmm. Um, if you lead at that level, you should be obsessed about organizational health. Mm. As Patrick Lanciani said, this is the thing that gives you the greatest advantage. Um, and and on all leaders, uh, because you know, if you lead a team of three, of ten, etc., etc., you know, kind of saying, how do I think about the health of this team? Mm. You know, you lead a, a procurement team. It's a team of 15. How do I really... Do the smart side of things, the process, the systems, and and the, and the policies. But similarly, how do I get this team to work in a healthy manner? Mm-hmm. Yeah, great. And I love what Patrick Lencioni says around that the process itself can be messy, and so yeah. he's broken it down into these disciplines as we navigate. But yeah. the first thing is to say it is a messy <laughs> process <laughs> yeah. because it's really a changing of sometimes culture, like you know, work culture, um, and so yeah. So yeah. Um, let's go into Discipline one. <laughs> right. Good. So, uh, Pat, uh, Patrick, uh, speaks about these four disciplines and, um, and Messi, as they, um, the other challenge with them is they're, they're always, they don't have those tangible, you know, mm. like metrics and things like that. You know, you, 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 we like the, the, the finance stuff because there you've got, uh, uh, the spreadsheets to work through. These ones is very much, uh, human to human, uh, aspects. So the first one really is, Really healthy organizations, um, healthy, uh, have, they've been able to build a cohesive leadership team. Mm. Ah, that's, that's a big one. Um, you know, when that, when that leadership team right at the top is not cohesive, pretty much everything else that we're going to talk about, you know, it starts to, uh, it, it becomes shaky. Yeah. Yeah. And, and one too many of us have experienced, I think, uh, what they call in the book, uh, teams that are like working groups, right? So. (laughs) Yeah. Break that down. (laughs) So, so a working group really is like a bunch of, you know, people brought together, um, around the table and all of a sudden, so you're head of HR, head of finance, head of this. And we're kind of sort of, are a group that works together in this organization. Mm. The easiest way to 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 do that, to show that is that think of as in, in sports, right? Uh, you know, sometimes you can play in a team of you sp- you play golf in a team, and maybe you know you do you play your own round, and everybody plays their rounds. At the end, we tally the scores, and we say, "Oh, team A mm. uh, won," right? But we hardly ever played as a team. Yeah, <laughs> everybody just hit their balls, and, and then they uh, all the way to the 18th hole. But think of soccer, mm-hmm. think of basketball. Think of netball. There, the team is the the the, the playing is happening. It's intertwined. Um, the the players are dependent on each other. There's communication. There is a lot happening, and winning is truly a team sport. Mm. And uh, most organizations they have these incredibly talented individuals with massive CVs they've gone to the best universities but they are pretty much working groups mm-hmm. this one is here representing their own HR agenda and they're doing their own thing and then the finance person is doing their own thing and the head of procurement is doing their own thing hopefully hopefully someone is kind of pulling this together but there's hardly ever any coherence Mm-mm. amongst the 
working group. Yeah, and so what are some of the steps or I know Patrick talks about the sort of when you can affirm these statements, then you're sort of going towards building a cohesive team. Ah, How do we really build that cohesion? And I think the first thing to do is to sort of make this strategic choice. So I'm going to put the word strategic because, you know, executives likes that one. (laughs) (laughs) So first thing is that uh, to be a team is a strategic choice. Sure. Right. So, so, so most people are, you know, are brought in together and you're hired and HR has done their job and they brought in the best of the best to run this, um, this financial services organization. The, f- the next step, therefore, is for this team to say, we're going to make a strategic choice to be a team and not to be a working group. Yes. Right. Um, because, um, and uh, because, if you're a working group, you'll, you'll end up just everybody doing their own thing and there's misalignment and, and, and there are problems with that. And one of the other things with it is also just to reduce the size of the team. Right? The executive team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen, and there's, these days, there's just too many VPs. If it, if it were, there's just, there's just another executive added, another executive added, and you have a, um, a senior executive team with like 18 executives reporting to this one poor CEO who has to sort of, you know, navigate all of this. And he recommends, you know, three to 10 people in an, in a senior leadership team. That should be, that should be sufficient. Mm. You know, at a stretch, maybe 12. Um, but once you go above those numbers, you can easily, End up being a working group. Yeah, but the key is that to make that strategic choice that we're going to be a team, we're going to work cohesively. Yeah, this is the primary team that we work with. This is team A. Yeah. This is team A because most people, most most teams as well, they they have all these members of the team, but their priority team is the teams that they lead. So when they come to this. Uh, leadership team They're just representing Their constituents If it were <laughs> Yeah <laughs> right? so, Like I don't care What yes, we're trying to yeah. do You know I'm just trying to get Budget for my For yes, my digital team I yeah. need to Hire new squad Members And all of those Kind of things I need new technology It doesn't Like those people Tune out yes. I remember This was This was This was said And, and I was a, I was a young um, strategy uh, professional And we were in this organization And um, this was very sad actually uh, you know, We were running a, 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 What we call a stratco uh, At the time And then and then the, we, we, the conversation goes, 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 goes And then there was an opportunity For sort of the people impact And we wanted a contribution From the people impact And then one executive kind of said Hey um, call them, call him by name. You can wake up now and kind of talk about people. And that's just, that is just terrible, which means this, this person is kind of labeled as, you know, he's just here to kind of say, Hey, yeah, the three things about people and then they kind of walk away, mm-hmm. but they're essentially not, not part, part of, of the team. team. And this just, that happens way too many times. Yeah. And the reason why, because I suppose the question would be, well, surely if I'm leading a team, that should be the sort of primary people I care about. But the reason why this executive then becomes your your team A, as you've said, is because if you guys are in cohesion, yeah. then everything you do and everyone you lead will be in cohesion and no one will feel sort of that they don't understand what's happening in the organization. Yeah. 
Um, and, and that, that is key. And, and just, just way too many teams, uh, do not have that. So, so then, then the second thing around, so he's got these five things that are important for, for a team to be cohesive. The first one is, um, having a team that's building trust within mm-hmm. the team. Um, you know, kind of mastering conflict being the second one, uh, kind of getting commitment, um, accountability and the drive for common results, mm-hmm. which we can unpack one at a time. Okay. <laughs> Unpack that. Yeah. So trust. Trust is a big one. Trust is a big one. I think especially when you work with people and especially if you're already in an unhealthy environment, naturally there's an element of not having trust because everyone's sort of coming with their own agenda, yeah. coming to sort of prove what they can do. Yeah. How do we build trust? How do we, you know, build trust in that executive? Yeah. So, uh, and I mean, uh, this whole conversation literally flows one from the other, right? Mm. So if we make the strategic choice to be a team, mm-hmm. then we're going to get into this vulnerable place to work towards building trust amongst ourselves. Mm. And, and the, the teams that have got high levels of trust, people can say, Hey, I'm sorry. Mm. Um, you know, I, I, I got that wrong. Uh, I made a mistake. Or people can say, Hey, I need help. I'm not great at that. Uh, so that, that's like, that's when you know that people are comfortable and within their own skin, in their own skin and they can, they can engage without trying to, to protect themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, this one though, it's, it's a sort of a messy process to kind of do. You don't, you wanna, you wanna create time to kind of build trust. Generally sort of some offsites are great. Um, here's some practical things you can do. One of which is, um, maybe at an offside doing some personal histories, right? It's, it's one of the, the things he does. He gets people to talk about their, Personal, how they grew up, right? Um, and then, and then you hear CEO talk about, you know, how he was bullied as a child. And then you hear someone talks about how, you know, they endured this like poverty and someone, you know, suffered this disease. Then all of a sudden you start to build empathy for one another. Mm. Then you start to kind of say, he's just like me, uh, in, in some instance, he or she just has the same issues uh perhaps if not more mm-hmm. um and without that kind of level of empathy sometimes uh, we kind of fall into what he calls um this fundamental attribution error uh, and 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 what what that is is that you know when some when something goes wrong we tend to attribute the negative and frustrating behaviors of others um, to their personalities and their intentions. Yeah, it's mobile. she just wanted to do this and that, mm. right? Um, but when we do something wrong, we tend to sort of attribute that negative behavior to the environmental factors. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was, you know, why were you late? Yeah, it was raining uh, and it's understandable and the traffic lights were off and yeah. et cetera, et cetera. But if mobile is late, no, she doesn't take this seriously And she mm. did this and that and that and that And normally trust breaks yes. At that point of fundamental Attribution error Sure, it's so important but I can imagine That it's so hard which is why it's probably Messy and I can imagine as well That it's not just one workshop <laughs> <laughs> That'll, that'll help, that'll solve it, that it's ongoing. No, no, that's, that's a lot of ongoing work. Yeah. And that's why he says this is 50% work, 
right? Mm. Because what what uh, what uh, companies do sometimes is they were like, all right, well, let's hire, some, let's bring in some organizational health consultant, and we were going to an offsite, right? Even when they're there, they kind of give the poor consultant two hours to kind of fix the, the all the problems. But this is continuous, a lot of time and space created mm. to talk about how well we can work together as a team. Yes, and as you said, it flows because then it all, you know, if I, even just listening, I'm like, oh, this is so exhausting to even <laughs> think about. But it goes back to that first point and we have to make a strategic choice to be a team. Yeah. Which means that this matters. Yeah. Which highlights why it matters. Yeah, and if we can trust one another, then we can engage in healthy conflict. Mm. Right. Because uh, dysfunctional teams they have either one or two types. Uh, they, they have two ways to approach conflict. One is they go at each other and it's just messy and it's unproductive and it makes things worse, right? And the conflict is personal. Mm-hmm. It's like you and there's a lot of fundamental attribution error uh, involved. Or they just avoid conflict, mm-hmm. right? You know, they go in there, they insert just enough statements on behalf of the constituents in meetings and then they step aside. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of assumptions that go on and politics Festa. Mm-hmm. Or like the, the after the meeting meetings. <laughs> the after the meeting phone calls or the, the messages. <laughs> and, uh, and then, and, uh, um, and nowadays because most of the meetings are happening virtually, like there's like the screen there and then there's like a real the meeting. Yeah. <laughs> just, just happening on oh, the side. Calling, calling us out, Manda. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so once you can do that, right? If you are able to engage uh, and and conflict is healthy, and and the idea with conflict is that it's the debate around the common decision, right? So we're not fighting you and me. We're kind of saying the best color of that chair is purple. And then you kind of say it's black, it's yellow, and that. And then we engage um, hard specifically on that. And then we've kind of left the personalities out. We've got empathy for one another. We're not attributing anything to you. Be- mm-hmm. You know, we're not doing that uh, fundamental attribution error. It then allows us to say, we can build a commitment around what we want to achieve. Right? Because you know, we just sometimes think, all right, so all in favor. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's go. Let's, let's move our head office to, to Durban. And then we all raise our hands. Right. And, and we're like, oh yeah, we have got commitment, but true commitment comes when people have had the opportunity to weigh in on the decision. Mm. If people can't weigh in, they can hardly buy in. Uh, there's, there's a saying, which I think is true because it rhymes, right? It's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so anything that rhymes, I think I, 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 I'm already saying, okay, I'm attributing truth to it, oh. right? So, you know, it says people have to have their say, but they don't always have to have their way, right? Mm-hmm. And once you kind of open up that opportunity and there's trust and, and people can engage, then they can weigh in on big, important decisions and then they can commit. Mm, mm. Yeah, that's really, really good. Um, and I think that that idea of putting the sort of collective priorities first means that even if your decision doesn't go your way, if I feel like I've been heard, I've had yeah. the space to share what I think, then yeah. I can put the organization's 
goals, priorities ahead of my own. Ahead of your constituents. Mm. <laughs> right. So then he talks about the fourth one, really, which is um, then the teams are able to have this, this uh, embrace accountability, right? And the key thing about accountability, we all understand the CEO is going to, or the leader of the team is going to hold each member accountable, right? So that's, that's a lot easier to understand. Where there's healthy leadership teams, it's when team peer, there is peer to peer accountability. Mm-hmm. When uh, you run a team that, that does something and we're all reporting to the leader, but when you do something and we hold you accountable, like um, instead of waiting for the boss to sort of call you out, but we call each other out, mm. that's when you know that there's real good peer to peer accountability. Sure. That's really good. And that's the, that's the ideal <laughs> that you, you want to have. And then the, if we could do that, uh, as Patrick Lencioni will say, um, then we can sort of all put our eyes on the final results of the team. Right. Um, you know, you find organizations that have, um, you know, as long as sales are, are are shooting the lights out, that's fine. You know, mm. like, you know, the guys there in that department, if they're, they're not doing well. Operations, if they're not doing well, that's that's not my problem. And and a lot of those silos, when they emerge like that, um, this one is protecting more budget, getting more people so that they can outshine yeah. the other. That's when you have a lot of dysfunction. Yeah, and that's why you can see when people can go into even meetings then that become not functional because everyone's <laughs> just coming to say, well, I, have to, I just need to make sure I've done my part. Yes, yes, yes. That it's not, then we don't actually ever achieve the collective goals because yes, I'm yes. always just looking out for my team. And if we're, if we had these different teams, because every single part is to make the success of the organization, if we're doing it that way, then we're never going to succeed. Absolutely. Yeah. So then that's the, that's the, what he calls the inattention to the collective results mm. where we are all kind of say, Oh, by the way, this ship is sinking, but like, but I'm fine. <laughs> so, it's like Jack and Rose. You know? so, Rose is fine. Yeah, so we're, we're good. We're That's good. a Titanic I, reference. Yes, right? yes, yes. <laughs> so, so we're good. We're good. Um, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, we're not doing well, but like sales is good. Yes, sales is good. Yes. Uh, operations is broken. Customer services, you know, is all over the place, but we're good. Yeah. I must tell you, I was, I was part of this team. You know, I, I've worked for one leader. I, Absolutely, even to this day, Riviera. It's just a phenomenal leader. Um, and, um, so one part of the, the organization was, was doing incredibly well and the other wasn't. And, um, he was able to bring us all in and say, right, guys, he, this is, this is going well. That's going well. This is not going well. We are all collectively going to f- solve for this collectively. Then he started to take resources, like, not, not like, Three people from one team, like massive, almost 30, 40% from the other team and, and threw them to the other team. And all of a sudden things starts to turn. By the end of the year, the organization did incredibly well. Mm. Um, I, and I still remember that like it was yesterday. The decisions went easy because, you know, taking from someone that's enjoying the success mm. and you know, they're going to sort of deep a little bit, but 
But for the overall organization to win, we do need to allow that deep there so that we can empower that side. Sure. Yeah. yeah. It's a, I, I, and I haven't seen that happen too often, but, mm. but that moment for me, I thought this is what cohesive leadership teams should be like. Sure. That's really good. Yeah. So are we ready to move on to the second discipline? Yo, that took us, um, <laughs> a lot. <laughs> Long time. I think this might be a, a two-parter on the advantage. This was all part of Monday's plan. His favorite author. Just like, we just like spent the rest of the year just talking about Patrick Lencioni. That, that's it. Uh, um, you know, I think, I think it would be great to just, uh, um, all right. So let's talk about the second, um, the second, uh, the second discipline. The second discipline is probably my favorite of mm. part of this book, which is create clarity. Create clarity mm. um, Where there isn't clarity There is a lot of confusions As you can imagine yeah. um, And and in a book It, it kind of says Hey you want to create clarity By answering six main questions mm-hmm. Right Why do we exist How do we behave What do we do How will we succeed What's important right now and who must do what? Hmm. Okay, that's a lot, especially if you are not, uh, if you're not taking <laughs> notes, right? Um, so, so because of time, we're going to see if we can, we can hack this list a little bit. So, um, let me see if I can do that. So, <laughs> so how do we, why do we exist? This is a, at its core, a question of our purpose. Hmm. And this is the very first episode we spoke about. Yeah. Uh, you know, you know, building that sense of, of, of purpose for your organization. It's incredibly scary how many organizations don't have this. Hmm. But what they have instead is like, like super stale and wordy and jargony mission statements yeah. that like go over like, you know, just like five lines of innovation, customer centric and well-being and all of that stuff you're just like what are we about yeah and i think that we have overdone the conversa- the, the the mission statement piece mm. uh, to an extent that we sort of start to lose the true sense of why we exist yeah yeah and it's such an important um thing for as you say for the the leadership team to to all be on the same page on that why because then that seeps down to the rest of the team i remember when we had this sort of mission statement created our ceo at the time would sort of spend so much time just talking about the why we exist to the point where a month later we could all say (laughs) on the team why it is that why does we exist why we're doing what we're doing um and that Gave us all confidence yeah. in what we're doing yeah. as a as a team and as an organization. Yeah, as, uh, I worked for for Discovery, and pretty much everyone who worked for Discovery, they can tell you their Discovery's papers, even years after they're gone. Like mm-hmm. I still remember their paper statement. Like we were, I mean, they just instill it in you and and they reinforce it and you just leave it um and you and i, I think there's no surprise why they do what they do yeah. um shout out to discovery for free there uh, can you imagine ah. it? um so 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 and and we we did that um uh, so we did talk about the purpose piece in the mm-hmm. first episode um the second one to really hack is how do we behave Okay. And we unpacked this, I think, th- this speaks to the values 
uh, we spoke about sort of three layers of values, permission to play values, core values, aspirational values, etc. Oh, and then he's got the fourth one, which he calls accidental values. Some of those values that we like, we didn't know this was our value, but it seems to be driving how we behave. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the important thing there is let this be sort of the driving factor of, of making a lot of decisions, especially how you hire, perhaps, and how you let some people go. If you let people go who are not living according to their values and those people that are performing poorly, you coach them to do better. Mm-hmm. But those that compromise values, they, uh, an organization shouldn't compromise. Okay. Okay. And then the third one. Oh, the third one. What do we do? This is the easiest one, right? Which mm-hmm. is, hey, we do this. We, we produce a podcast every week and mm-hmm. uh, we do this, this and that. It's important here, you know, it's that we kind of articulate this as clearly as possible, uh, especially when things, when times change. So um, you might find pre COVID, this is what we used to do. And, um, and post COVID, we pivoted and now we do that. And there could be a lot of employees that are still Doing that, do, the, the yeah. pre-COVID, especially, especially in massive corporations, you know, they're still mm-hmm. sending the same spreadsheet, and you know, it goes nowhere. But like, they wake up every morning, like crunching that stuff, and 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 uh, the organization has moved on. Mm-hmm. So it's important to sort of reinforce. Hey, here are the four things we do. Only these four. Yeah. Important for entrepreneurs, because you know, at that early stage, you know, you could be. Swayed by many opportunities And oh can you do that Oh can you do that And he's like yes 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 And then before you know it You've lost your core Yes Yeah, yeah. So it's important to, to talk about that mm. You're keen for the fourth one My producer is kind of going Four please move it on The time <laughs> is going I haven't spoken about the 20% increase in salary yet <laughs> That's what she's moving us along Yeah yeah she's kind of going Yeah yeah that's coming That's coming <laughs> Uh, so, so the, the fourth one is how, how will we succeed? And I think we're gonna, we're gonna spend enough time on this one because this speaks to strategy. Yeah. Uh, and, and really strategy is that consistent set of choices and decisions that we make pretty much every day that makes us succeed and, and outcompete our competitors. The key there, and there's a ton of books on strategy. We're gonna unpack one, uh, next week called, um, st- a strategy that works, mm-hmm. right? So, and it, I'm just chuffed about that. But, for today to note is, you know, you can do all that strategic stuff. What he, he kind of encourages leaders to do is to boil down their strategy into three at most strategic anchors. Okay. Right. And, and probably the first time, and I've read a number of these, these strategy stuff, books and etc. It's first time I kind of got this concept of strategic anchors. And that mm. is to say, and it says three maximum. Okay. <laughs> don't, don't go beyond that. It's like, yeah, I've got my 11 strategic anchors. No, uh, it's not, that's not what we're going to talk about. But it's, um, three, three set of sort of decisions that are clear, which says, Hey, when, a call center agent is being asked a question. These are the three questions. These are the sort of three strategic anchors that, you know, she, he or she can use to make a decision around that. Right. When I'm about to, to, to book a flight for the executives. And um, if, if one of our uh, strategic anchors is, you know, a sort of a low cost kind of uh, operation, then I'm thinking, does, you know, booking business class make sense? 
from a low cost operation um, anchor perspective. So having three of those that everybody kind of walks around kind of going, for instance, safety is sort of like job number one. If I want to do something and it feels unsafe, I get to stop mm-hmm. and then kind of make sure it's safe. Mm-hmm. So, so boil all of your massive 58, you know, 500 page strategy documents <laughs> and, and ensure there's at least three strategic anchors that your people can make decisions around mm-hmm. every day. Yeah. Because strategy is a set of choices that we are collectively making intentionally. In order to win Yeah, that's really good So it almost becomes the I think someone once said That strategy almost is The guardrails Yes, so yes, yes It becomes the guardrails for you When you yeah. make any decision Aha uh-huh. So Okay, maybe we'll just We'll hack the next two Very quickly um, The second The, the, the f- fifth it's, one It's five, eh? Yes <laughs> We haven't gotten to 20% degrees Okay Alright, let's see if number one uh, The fifth one might address that Maybe not but, but um, he says, I'll, I'll maybe preface it with a, with a bit of a, a story here. He says, you know, he, he used to be sort of been kind of have clients ask him about, hey, there are silos in this team. Mm-hmm. You know, how can we, how can we sort of deal with this? And and he sort of went and studied around, you know, companies that don't have silos, and and it turns around um, that. Emergency responding kind of companies don't te- they, they tend to not have silos. For instance, you know, firefighters, right? You know, mm-hmm. they rock up to a building. You're not seeing someone says, yeah, yeah, no, my job is to do that. So, you know, you go up the ladder. <laughs> you, know? mm. you see them sort of kind of galvanized around putting out this fire and they work so well they take off all their sort of many you know i'm i'm department a you department b and then there's this this all of this stuff so 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 then at the back of that he realizes that even companies when they are trying to survive an emergency they tend to be so they, they, they throw away them they throw away them the silos and they come together around it. Yeah, that's so true. Uh, uh, can you imagine? Even our country did. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> Remember when uh, at the onset of COVID, uh, and uh, there was this rare moment when all the political parties came out in support of the president. I think it was probably the first time yeah. that we didn't hear any sort of like opposition voices, if it yeah, were. Yeah. Uh, because we were all faced with this crisis and all of a sudden everyone is agreeing to, with one another and we can, we can kind of go in, in one place. Yeah. Yeah. Great. That's really good. I think it happened a lot even for organizations with, with COVID because it was this moment of like, okay, what do we do? Yeah. How do we get through this? Yeah. And hats were dropped because yeah. everyone just knew that we had to just keep going yeah. and to achieve. Okay. Sorry. I'm going to, I'm, I'm stalling you from getting to the sixth one. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. So, but, but the, the, the fifth one really at the back of that story, then he said the key to killing Silas is having a crisis, but no, 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 no. <laughs> what? <laughs> don't go, don't go create one. The don't crisis, go starting yeah, don't go start one. <laughs> the crisis gives you a rallying cry. A crisis sort of says this is important. Mm. It gives you the priority. You remember we spoke about priority, right? Yes. It gives you the one thing that that we all galvanize our efforts towards and he then kind of said hey as a team and as your leading teams you want to sort of create these 
what's important right now goals not shorter than three months not longer than 12 months because then that's that's just that's just too much and the important part about that is should be the rallying cry for the leadership team because what you want to achieve there with that leadership team you want them to put away their departmental heads and drive to this one thing mm. and the question is in the next 6 months if we don't achieve anything what must we achieve right it might just be like okay let's make sure that merger becomes successful and then all of a sudden, you know, we are, we are running our departments, but we have, we have got this big thing that says this measure that we initiated is going to succeed and we're going to just roll our sleeves and we're going to, you know, give it our best shot. Yeah. 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 That's really good. So not to start fires, but it's almost like what is the urgent need for now that we can all look towards? Yeah. And then the more of that you do, the more you sort of exercise this muscle of working together without the departmental heads. Mm. And then you start breaking down the silos. Before you know it, even on other common projects, mm. you sort of take the same approach. And every six months you're reviewing, all right, we're going to fix quality. Right. It doesn't matter whether, you know, someone head of operations is responsible for a big part of that. But even the, the head of finance is like waking up thinking about how do we fix our quality problems. Mm, mm. Okay. Really good. All six. right. Number six. Can you believe it? Um, oh, who must do what? And that's very simple, which is because <laughs> normally I think most teams, uh, especially at the senior level, they start to grow portfolios. Like, say, an exec- executive leaves, and now uh, you are responsible for finance. Now you're responsible for finance and operations, right? Mm. But that is also not well defined, right? Because you were responsible for operations somewhere, but that included some parts, and mm. you know, there's just there's just chaos. Yes. And and what he's kind of saying is that let's create as much clarity as possible as to who does what. Okay. Okay. Those are the six questions. Can you believe it? Yes. I have to like listen to it again. Now, look, <laughs> the thing is, I don't know. I don't think we have time to go through. Maybe you can just say them, the, the other two disciplines yeah. um, from the book. But I think what's important is everyone needs to read The Advantage. Love. <laughs> <laughs> I like the takeaway. All right, let me let me say the other two because they are super simple, right? Yeah. So the first one is build a cohesive leadership team. Mm-hmm. That was hard, and we spent we did the five kind that was of the messy one. Yeah, the messy <laughs> and the and the stuff. And the second thing was um, create clarity, mm-hmm. and these are answers to the six questions. Oh, the third and the fourth, they can go like in a minute, yeah. because the third one is. Um, over communicate clarity mm-hmm. right so those things those six things that we've just spoken about at length communicate them again and again and again mm-hmm. and the idea is that the ceo is the chief reminding officer yeah um and and, and also the fact that you've sent out an email that's not enough Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, people kind of work, do all this hard work, and then they just send an email. Here's our strategy. You can find it on a, on the local drive. No, mm-hmm. I mean, you haven't communicated anything. Mm-hmm. Apparently, it's said that employees will only believe what the leaders uh, are saying only if they've had it seven times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Because there's just too much jargon that you know. If you're serious, you're gonna repeat it. Yes. And most leaders don't do that. Okay. So over communicate clarity. Number four is reinforce clarity. Okay. What's the difference? <laughs> <laughs> so the difference is that set systems in place that speaks to what you want to achieve. Mm. So if you're going to hire people, hire the people that align to values. 
And then your hiring systems and the questions you ask must speak to the same values. If you're going to, to have performance management system, do them in alignment to your strategic objectives and your big, uh, what's important right now things. Too many organizations have the strategy there. And they've got their performance uh, management systems over there And they've got their recruitment over there mm. And they've got all these things all over the place And that means you don't have alignment Yeah. And yeah. the goal of creating, over communicating and reinforcing clarity Is to ensure that we are aligned Oh wow, so good Now listen, I know the sort of notes that we're going to The rest we're going to go through But also the amount that's in this book So I really encourage everyone to read The Advantage Because there's so much in it that is practical to use And to apply And so important to make sure that every person Who goes to work uh, Leaves uh, work feeling fulfilled And excited to go back again (laughs) Absolutely And and you can do that It's uh, focusing on your the health of your organization, making sure you've got um, cohesive leadership teams and there's clarity. Mm. So until then, go out there and super lead. Cliffcentral.com.